First you told us only through you could we know God And if we dared to question, he wouldn't spare the rod For you we worked the soil, for you we dug the moors For you we shed our blood and fought so many pointless wars Now you try to tell us there's nothing we can do You say the world around us belongs fairly to the few But about six billion people no doubt will agree This world is our home not your property, it's the commons, our right of birth. And you who would enclose the land all around the earth, our future is your downfall when we cut this ball and chain. You who'd sacrifice the public good for your private gain. With our sweat we built the railroads, built cities on these shores, but because you own the money, you see that it's all yours We laid the phone lines and the pipelines And then right before our eyes You see these things are taxes paid for You now will privatize Privatize the hospitals Privatize the schools Privatize the prisons For all those who break your rules And preparing for the day When all the wells run dry You see you own the very rain That falls down from the sky But it's the commons Our right of birth you who'd own the water all around the earth Our future is your downfall when you cut this ball and shame You who'd sacrifice the public good for your private gain You claim to own the harvest with your terminator seeds You claim to own the genomes of every animal that breeds You claim to own our culture and the music that we play And with each song that we download To your coffers we must pay You'd even own my name And you'd say it's for the best Maybe you'll let us on your radio If our songs can pass your test You own country, you own western You say you've given us a choice You may own the airwaves But you'll never own my voice It's the commons, our right of birth And you who'd own the music All around the earth Our future is your down when he cut this ball and chain You who'd sacrifice the public good For your private gain It's the cons Our right of birth And you who would own everything All around the earth Our future is your downfall When he cut this ball and chain You who'd sacrifice the public good For your private gain The opinions expressed on corporations and democracy are those of our guests and the hosts, and not necessarily of the management of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. Good afternoon, and welcome to Corporations and Democracy for December 10th, 2020. This is the program that examines how corporations dominate our democracy and what citizens are doing to replace corporate dominance with true democracy. I'm Steve Scalmanini with co-host Annie Esposito. The upcoming runoff elections on January 5th for both U.S. Senators for the state of Georgia will determine which party will control the U.S. Senate for the next two years. Today, we have an unusual opportunity to discuss the election in Georgia with one of our own Mendocinans, who is there in Georgia for the election. Joe Wildman is the Secretary-Treasurer of the North Bay Labor Council. He is a resident of inland Mendocino County and has a long history with the labor movement, including representing one of the local SCIUs, that's Service Employees International Unions, and more recently a business agent with Operating Engineers Local 3. Joe was also a member and the retiring treasurer of the Inland Mendocino Democratic Club. For the November election in Mendocino County, due to the ongoing pandemic, 
the Inland Mendocino Democratic Club created a mobile headquarters in Joe's large van, which made stops throughout the county in the months before the election. Now, for the two runoff elections uh, for U.S. Senate in Georgia next month, Joe drove the van cross-country and is helping with campaigns there. So we have an unprecedented opportunity to hear firsthand about goings-on in those campaigns from someone familiar to many of us here in Mendocino County. So let's have a look at the view from Georgia of the upcoming U.S. Senate runoffs in January. Joe Wildman, welcome to Corporations and Democracy. Hello, Steve. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us, because I know you're really busy working on multiple lists in multiple neighborhoods. But um, before we delve into Georgia itself, which is going to be the main part of the program, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about the van? Because I know there's been a problem with getting money for uh, a permanent year-round Democratic Club headquarters. We have a low population base in Mendocino, and you've come up with this ingenious idea of a mobile headquarters. Well, actually, the idea was Monica Rivera's, who's a member of the executive board of the club. She didn't. She didn't volunteer my van. She just said <laughs> maybe we could have. You know, uh, there used to be somebody down in San Benito who would cover Salinas and whatever, and they would do it in some kind of a, a camper and. Uh, so I wrote up a proposal to use my uh, Sprinter van because it's gigantic, <laughs> um, and it worked out pretty well. Yeah, and extremely flexible. I know you registered voters in Point Arena. You were able to just pack up the Democratic headquarters and go, and now you're all the way across the, the country. So uh, I think that's pretty amazing. Uh, so now you don't have to pay rent, but you do have to maintain this monster. So there still is a money issue, right? Well, yeah, it definitely costs money. I wish I could afford this van. I bought it when I was the executive director of the California United Home Care Workers because I was bargaining in like 26 different counties from Imperial to Del Norte, hmm. and it was my office and my hotel room, and uh, no, nobody's paying me to maintain this van anymore. I'm, I'm retired, but uh, but it's so useful. I uh, I can't give it up. Yeah, well, I can see that. You're very nimble with your organizing on this. Uh, so the second thing that is very impressive about this is you drove all the way across country. Um, did you have a relief driver? How did you do that? No, I just drove. Oh, you gosh. know, people, people act like it's really hard. I drive 60,000 miles a year for my jobs that I've had up until I retired, so this was not a big deal. You know, everyone acts like driving a long time is hard, but it's no different than sitting on your couch. Oh. I mean, I, I, I put a lot of strain on my right uh, ankle. That's about it. Um, everything else is just sitting in a chair and watching the United States go by. You mean there's no cruise control? There is, but, you know, you still end up having to, you know, do something. Well, you do have to be, you do have to be alert for an extended number of hours. I mean, you made it over there unscathed, so you, you were certainly paying attention, but... Yeah, no, it worked fine. I didn't. I didn't deprive myself of sleep or anything. I you know, was able to stop when I needed to stop and sleep. It was fine. Okay, it's well, not that I'm made for driving. Who oh. I am. <laughs> okay, well, you have a lot of admirers here for that. I okay. So then, the other thing I have to ask you is: you drove all the way through Texas with this gigantic Biden Harris sign on the side of the van, and I'm just wondering. What kind of reactions you got on the highway? 
Well, you know, it's interesting because people think in terms of, you know, first of all, all the way across Texas, I went across the panhandle. That took an hour and a half. So <laughs> it's, not like I, it's not like I went all the way across. However, you know, you get out of the panhandle, you're in Oklahoma. So, so you know, I drove across the Louisiana Purchase, which on the map is all red. But, you know, even in Mendocino County, people would give me the finger in the van with the yeah. Biden. Right. So, so it's not like there are, it's not like you cross the border from California, uh, you know, or New Mexico into Texas or, you know, or, where, or Nevada, and suddenly the politics change. I mean, frankly, there are some militia people in California. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm fine wherever I am. Nobody had my itinerary, so it's not like they were laying in wait for me. The most <laughs> they could do is give me the finger or the thumbs down. That was about it. That's true. It is uh, a continuum starting right here where we mm-hmm. are. Yeah. So, you know, and frankly, whenever somebody would give me the finger or yell something, I would just laugh hysterically. It just tickled me that they would be that ridiculous. Yeah, that's what the Mendonesians do on the Ukiah Courthouse. We just go, have a nice day. You know? <laughs> this is California, but I guess that would work in Oklahoma. <laughs> Anybody, you know, if they want to give me the finger, I'm just happy to say have a nice day. Yeah. Because it's ridiculous. Anyway. <laughs> All right, but that still is an undertaking. It is a little more than sitting on your couch. So do you want to talk about some of your compelling motivations to do this? Well, I mean, compelling motivations. The entirety of the federal government is going to depend on what direction it goes and what it does is going to depend on these two seats. Now, it's not like, you know, it's not like it's, how should I put this, you know, uh, sometimes it feels like it's fascism versus socialism, um, but 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 it, but it's at very very least the entire mechanisms of providing federal services and funding are at stake, um, and uh, I think it's really important that the Democrats take the Senate, which won't be a panacea because obviously Joe Manchin is a Democrat in the Senate, Diane Feinstein is a Democrat in the Senate, mm-hmm. but you know I think there's a, and, and I'm no Schumer fan. But there'll be a world of difference in what will be able to happen with Schumer as uh, majority leader as opposed to Mitch McConnell. It's night and Some people would go so far as to say that the planet itself, or at least mammalian life, is at stake here. Yeah, and, you know, it'll be interesting to see whether Democratic control of the Senate actually goes far enough to to do that stuff. John Kerry's now going to be heading up to the... uh, climate change stuff and you know we'll be getting back into the paris accord stuff but even that never seemed like enough so so you know i'm hopeful i mean you know you do the best you can that's what i do that's what i do uh, and right now chuck schumer is the best we can so okay you you you, you go with what you got okay that's right you play the hand you're dealt so would you like to set the stage a little bit for us there's two democrats John Ossoff and David, no, yeah, they kind of, yeah. John Ossoff and, and, and Warnock, yeah. Reverend, Reverend Raphael Warnock are the two Democrats running. There are runoffs for, uh, because if you don't get a majority, there's a runoff in uh, the way Georgia runs its elections for Senate. Yeah, which is um, not and, not the case in all states. So this is, this is no. well, the way Georgia does it is you do have to win by a majority. And these are the... percent plus one vote at least. Yeah. Uh, and and frankly, it's it's kind of a relic from Jim Crow in a way, because the reason they do that 
is to keep minority candidates from winning because then there's a runoff and, you know, they can prevent it from happening. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because if there's like six good old boys running and one African-American, right now the African-American would win. And and so they have a runoff system. But I think it's actually going to be beneficial to the Democrats right now because I think they could win these runoffs. You know, one of them is somebody whose term is up. Reduced term is up, and Ossoff is running against him. And the other one is Loeffler, who was appointed uh, to a vacancy, and under Georgia election law, they have to be on the ballot at the next general election. Um, The seat has to be on the ballot at the next general election. So the person who was appointed by the governor, uh, Kelly uh, Loeffler, is now on the ballot to try to finish the term as an elected, not an appointed. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about these four players. Now, Kelly Loeffler, I heard that she is the richest congressperson. Yeah, her and her husband uh, ran financial uh, organizations and made lots of money. I think she's worth, I think they say half a billion. Oh, is that only half a billion? <laughs> yeah, well, when you, have, when you have several billion, you don't bother serving in the Senate. <laughs> uh, so uh, she's she's sort of been in the news lately for using information that was available to people that ha- that are members of Congress uh, to unload a whole bunch of stocks in a hurry and uh, escape some, some stock market penalties oh. that accrued to everybody else, right? Both her and David Perdue, the uh, other Republican running, were caught up in that. Um, you know, and they, they, they're they crowing about how they were cleared by the Senate ethics, whatever, but that's basically Mitch McConnell and company. I mean, that's that's no big deal. We'll see, we'll see if any charges are actually brought, because there's still investigations going on. Uh-huh. But what would be better is to just defeat them, and it's possible. I mean, it's it, it was close enough, and... Uh, and it's possible. And I would say that the Democrats, unlike most of the time historically, the Democrats look considerably more coordinated and united than the Republicans do. Oh, interesting. Because usually when you hear the opposite, but yeah, it's starting to look like there's some big cracks happening there. Uh, one of the things that Loeffler did, I saw her, uh, a part of the debate um, she had with Warnock, and every time she would say a sentence she would start out by radical liberal democrat raphael warnock or which which is is amazing because radical and liberal are not exactly uh it's an oxymoron (laughs) it would be like (laughs) radical liberal let me think about that for a minute you know uh fascist conservative I, i you know it's like just throwing these labels out there uh, liberals are not radicals. Oh, I think she said uh, liberal socialists too a lot. Liberal so, socialists. Look, kept saying radical liberal Raphael Warnock. She said it like fifty times. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. And then she talked about how she was raised on a farm, um, <laughs> which she was able to mortgage to go get her master's degree. Um, so <laughs> okay. she's not exactly working class. An uh, uh, interesting thing about David. Purdue, the other um, Republican that's being challenged by John Ossoff, um, Purdue, I guess, boycotted the debates. Yeah, he wouldn't show up. He went to the first one they had, you know, before the November election, and Ossoff ate him alive. Uh-huh. So he's not doing I'm sure you can find it on YouTube, anybody, if you want to see the uh, first debate. But Ossoff did not, uh, did not pull any punches. <laughs> Was that, was, was, just speechless. was that result 
measurable afterward in polls and such, do you know? Well, let's put it this way. The incumbent did not win outright. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so so it certainly didn't hit, uh, hurt Ossoff to mm-hmm. not pull punches. Um, he got to where he needed to get. Mm-hmm. And that was running against an incumbent sitting senator. Now, the other race with uh, Loeffler and Warnock is a runoff because I think I think Warnock uh, got the most votes, and I don't think he got over 20-something percent because there were a number of candidates. Mm-hmm. Mm, okay. So Lee Berman and another uh, Trump Republican, and, you know, and so... Um, it was a different. It was a different dynamic than the Ossoff Purdue race. So I think you've given some indications of some of the problems you have with Purdue and Loeffler, the incumbents. What are the things about John Ossoff uh, who's challenging Purdue and, and Warnock who's challenging the richest congressperson there is? Um, what are the, some of the things that um, you think are reasons why they should be elected? Well, you know, there's the other than the fact that they're, yeah, go ahead, sorry. Well, you know, you know, other than the fact that they're, you know, caucus, will be caucusing with the Democrats because they're Democrats, and it will determine that Mitch McConnell is not the leader in the Senate, which I have to tell you is the main reason that I want Ossoff and Warnock to win. I mean, I, you know, Ossoff seems to be a pretty sharp guy. Uh, there's a, you know, but but I, it's not his personality that is drawing me to him. It's who he caucuses with and how power will move in the United States Senate. Uh, but he's, you know, he's uh, a little more progressive. You know, he won't be a Joe Manchin. He'll be more progressive than most of the uh, people elected from places like Georgia or Alabama or or West Virginia or places where we sometimes get a Democrat. But they have they have to kowtow. He has not been pulling punches. Warnock uh, is actually the uh, pastor at the from the same pulpit that Martin Luther King used to preach from at Ebenezer Baptist Church in and in, uh, in Atlanta, and uh, you know they're trying to do the same thing with him. Like I'm, I forget the guy's name in Chicago. Um, oh, Harold uh, Washington. No, no, no. The preacher who was oh. from the church Barack Obama went with, who they tried oh. to make into like a radical socialist, you know, whatever, because he, <laughs> I forget his name, but, you know, um, they're really trying to, to tar and, and feather him, which, frankly, you know, they were trying to do to Martin Luther King, right? Because, mm-hmm. frankly, you know, uh, Warnock is a radical liberal. <laughs> <laughs> he's, uh, he's, you know, whatever that means. He, you know, he is for a safety net. He is for uh, social programs. He's, you know, he wants, if Warnock and Ossoff get in, I guarantee you that there will be uh, funds available for unemployment and, uh, and, 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 and our health care system will improve, or at least our finances of our health care system. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you know, health insurance will be, private, will be uh, socialized. Um, health care won't be, I'm sure, but, but the insurance will be. Um, and that's important. This is exciting because I understand this is really squeaky close. What are the polls telling you at this particular moment? You know, you know the, the, the poll. You know, there's no, there's nothing exclusive about being in Georgia. All this stuff is online. The poll. You know, I, I don't even believe the polls. It's <laughs> going to be close. 
And, and I'll tell you what I can tell from being on the ground in Georgia that I couldn't tell if I were still in Mendocino County. So most of the precincts I'm walking, you know, and I'm not, I'm not in leadership here. No, you know, I'm not targeting the voters. I'm not deciding what turf we're walking. I'm not writing the scripts. I'm just a grunt. Um, but I can tell from the way the scripts have evolved and the way the lists are going that what we are targeting is the Democratic voters who often vote in presidential elections but don't always vote in specials and off years because we got to get them out for a special election just, you know, a month after they already voted, right? Mm-hmm. So, so this, is, this is a group of voters who you normally don't expect to be that sophisticated when you get to the door. And what I'm finding is if they're home, which is the hard part, because I'd say, you know, 80% of my door knocks don't reach anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's, that's not untypical. Um, but, but the 20% I reach, when I say, do you have a plan for voting? I get a real answer. Like, yeah, uh, we're, we're all going to go vote on the 17th. Because, uh, you know, uh, and they know when early voting starts. And they know what they have to do. And I, I, I actually credit Stacey Abrams and, and uh, you know, Fair Fight for really raising the consciousness of the entire uh, community of Democrats in, in Atlanta. They are really plugged in. So I, I have a strong feeling that the Democratic turnout will not drop as much as it historically has which is why they have a runoff system in Georgia, right? Because the vote will drop. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, I, I don't feel it. I mean, I, have, I've, I haven't, I've maybe gotten two people who answer the door who are like, I already voted. And I'm like, You're, did you vote by mail as a permanent absentee in the runoff? No, I voted on November 3rd. You know, like maybe two people out of the hundreds I've talked to mm-hmm. who were confused. Everybody else gets it. Um, and... And so the real question is, the Republicans tend to vote. Um, but right now, they have so much crazy stuff going on with Trump. Um, I'm not sure how that's going to play out. Yeah, crazy is right. If, if you look at the simple um, registrations by party, is Georgia, you know, how red or blue is the state? You know, I haven't looked at that, because like I said, I'm mm-hmm. just a grunt. Yeah, They're handing no. me lists, and I'm going yeah. to doors. Uh, but but clearly, there are enough Democrats to win in Georgia. Biden just did. Mm. And and he didn't win with Republican votes in Georgia. <laughs> um, he, he won with Democratic votes. So there are enough Democrats to win uh, a statewide election in Georgia. So the issue uh-huh. really is, is to get out the vote and the infrequent voters who did vote in November that need to be to, to be motivated for January, I mean, that's where the, the key is then, as far as you can see. Yeah, and i got to tell you, I think the whole fight in, in November, and basically winning, um, the Republicans did not win the two Senate seats. They didn't lose them, but they didn't win them, mm-hmm. which, which I, think it, I, think, I think really bolsters people's hopes that if they stay in the game, they will win. And Biden carried Georgia. And I'm not sure they were optimistic about that. Mm-hmm. You know? We... Oh, okay. Yeah, so um, why don't we just 
place this and remind people what the context is, is that the, overall the Republicans have 50 seats and the Democrats flip one net seat for a total of 48. And if the Democrats win both of these runoffs that you're working so hard on, then Vice President Harris will be the tie-breaking vote, and the Democrats will control the House and the Senate and the White House. So that's what's at stake here, just to remind people of the context. Right. You know, and when we say control the Senate, uh-huh. they certainly will be able to name the leaders. They'll be able to name the committee chairs. Um and any Democrat who doesn't vote with them, which happens a lot, means they don't win. Um, so, you know, it won't be a huge uh, a huge progressive agenda in the United <laughs> States Senate. Mm-hmm. However, however, you know, if we had had uh, this set up before, we would have had Merrick Garland on the Supreme Court. Right. Um, you know, because that would happen. So we're not going to have to worry that much about Biden's appointments to the Supreme Court if he gets on it. Um, so, you know, I mean, it, it's it's a it's a big difference on a lot of things, but it's not a panacea. Mm-hmm. Uh, that reminds me that the the uh, the Garland issue was late in the Obama administration, but early in the administration, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the Democrats did control the Senate, and so. Uh, but not, you know, not a lot was done. Uh, they didn't push a, an agenda real hard at the time. So what might the differences be then in the next two years if the Democrats win the, uh, well, an even tie in the Senate and then have a tiebreaker in the vice president? What, so uh, when you say not a lot was done, they took on uh, health insurance reform. Mm-hmm. And, and they had a lot of resistance among Democrats. And the mm-hmm. Republicans were really heavily organized and scared the hell out of them. Uh, and, you know, the Tea Party was born, um, which which has really led to a more of a skid for the Republican Party off the right-wing cliff. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they, they played their hand trying to do uh, health care reform, and that yeah. was all they were able to get done before yeah. there was a mass revolt. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not so sure it wouldn't have been better to try some other things, too. But I think Obama knew, I mean, Mitch McConnell said he wasn't going to let anything get through. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, and even though he was uh, a minority for some of it, he was able to bollocks a lot of things up. Because yeah. the Senate is not totally majority rule. Mm-hmm. There's, there's all kinds of things that the Senate can do in the minority. Yeah, and you were touching on this, too, that a lot of us are wondering what influence the squad and the Bernie Kratz will have under a Biden administration. I think if their policies are right and they move America, and I think their policies are right, and that they'll move America, that Biden is a politician who would be responsive. Mm-hmm. Okay, there you got it. Because um, was... he's a politician. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what he is. Right. That's right. That's what he is. Um, I was really fascinated by your description of the porch culture while you're pounding the pavement. you want to give us a little color about um, the culture and the color of where you are? Oh, that was one of my posts on Facebook? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's it's an out, you know, even... Well, even though it's freezing cold for Georgia, it's probably 60 degrees. (laughs) Uh, You know, uh, people are outdoors. They're out on their porches. 
And when I'm walking precincts, you know, people just will yell out, who are you looking for, you know? And I'll say, well, you know, I got so-and-so and so-and-so. Well, they're not going to be home till at least 4 o'clock, <laughs> you know, because they're across the street. You know, they'll say, you know, if the car is there, look. I mean, people just talk to you because you're walking in their neighborhood, mm-hmm. you know, and they know everybody's business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, I, I grew up in a neighborhood like that, so I can relate to it. Yeah, I like the description you gave, that, that the neighborhoods were blighted, but they were strong. And I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, they were, the, people were looking out for each other. However, uh, the buildings were, you know, definitely run down. Uh, not a lot of capital investment in some of these neighborhoods. Yeah. So who are some of the people you've been working with? Let's do some name dropping here. Who have you been hanging out with, Joe? Oh, you mean because of my post? Well, one of the times I showed up, uh, getting ready to go out for the walk, there was uh, Andrew Yang and Martin Luther King III. Um, but uh, one of the things I really enjoyed is when I first got, I drove into town, and I thought, where am I going to go? How am I going to find a campaign to plug into? So I looked at the Warnock website, the Ossoff website, and I saw that I wasn't far from a park where they were putting a canvas together to go walk. And I drove to the park just to say, hey, where do I go tomorrow? And the guy in charge of it was a guy I know from Sonoma County, (laughs) um, uh, uh, Jackson Boaz, who's like 16 years old, and he was organizing the the walk. That's Um, sweet. Came all the way up. He was the president of the Young Democrat, the wine country Young Democrat. Mm -hmm. He's a great kid. And I can say kid because he's 16, um, but he's a great kid. And, you know, he's going to know the name, Jackson Boaz. He's going to be doing stuff. All right. He's extremely competent. I was, I was just, when I first met him, I said to his uncle, uh, uh, you know, I'm sure within a couple of years I'll be working for him. And here I am. Okay, Jackson <laughs> Boaz, you heard it here first. Yep. <laughs> yep. And then, um, of course, with... Uh, we always associate Stacey Abrams with Georgia. So how, how have you been hearing about all the work that she has been doing and, and the effect it has now and continues to have? And have you run into her? And is she around helping you? Well, you know, she's doing her, her thing, which, which is her organization. And, you know, there are probably, as you can imagine, because the entire federal government depends on this outcome, probably 30 or 40 different campaigns. So, you know, we're, we're, we're walking past each other. Today, uh, I was working this giant uh, apartment complex, you know, like 160 units on 10 acres. And, uh, and, and I kept walking into uh, a guy from Planned Parenthood, because Planned Parenthood has their staff out here mm. walking precincts, because, you know, their entire uh, federal component of a lot of the programs they run depend on the Democrats winning. Uh, so Planned Parenthood has people walking, Fair Vote. Uh, I, I can't even name all the organizations. And Stacey Abrams um, did the cultivation, you know. Her, her work cultivated these victories. She did the planting, you know, the clearing of the rocks, the planting of the crops. And right now um, I'm plugged into a ground operation that's just harvesting. Wow. Uh, and, and so, you know, I don't hear about her a lot. But her work is evident in everything I'm doing every day. Everybody I talk to at the doors, there's just no question. When I'm talking to a 24-year-old who has a plan to vote, 
I know it's the work of Stacey Abrams and 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 Fair Fight, and uh, and it's really impressive. It could make me cry. Oh. Uh, I, it's serious. It's really impressive. It's great to hear. Uh, let me take a moment <clears throat> to reintroduce our guest. It's Joe Wildman uh, from Mendocino County, but he's in Georgia for the election time here in the next month. And uh, we're talking about the situation in Georgia right now with the upcoming election January 5th for both U.S. senators from Georgia. And if anyone would like to call and ask any questions, the number here is 895-2448. That's in area code 707 895-2448. Yeah, let me ask you, too, about Carl Rove and all the money that's coming in there for the Republicans. They have some big fundraiser of high-powered money coming in. Uh, how, how are you holding up against that? You know, I'm, on the, I'm in the field, so I'm talking to Democrats. So I don't really know. I mean, that's the big wild card for me is how well the Republicans are going to do and how well they pull together. And the only the only thing I see is the television commercials, because there's some people who were kind enough to put me up in their house, and they have television. So, you know, it's nonstop television commercials, which is, to some, you know, I'm not a big fan of that. I'm a big fan of the field. But i got to tell you, um, the Republicans definitely are winning the war of airtime. Okay, we have um, a call. Let me interrupt you a minute. Hi, you're on the air. Yeah, I um, am interested in knowing what I can do and other people can do to reach out to... Um, you need to turn your phone I want to be able to make phone calls to have the, to have the Democrats win. Um, and I'd like, you know, to Georgia, to Georgia Democrats who, to, get them, to get the vote out. How can I go about doing this? How can other people go about doing this in, in our county? Okay. I'm reasonable. I'm reasonably certain if you were to get onto the website for the Mendocino uh, County Democrats and the Inland Democratic Club, uh, mendodem.org, that you would probably find somebody who is coordinating that. And frankly, I haven't gone and looked because I'm in Georgia walking as opposed to being in Mendocino calling. Um, you know, and I know that, you know, the labor groups are calling the labor groups here, but if you're not plugged into a union, you probably won't plug into that. I, w- I would definitely get a hold, uh, go to the website for the county Democrats and see what links they have to groups that are doing postcard campaigns, letter writing, and phone calling into Georgia, because I'm sure there are links there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know one of the organizations doing uh, doing that kind of work is uh, is moveon.org. So M-O-V-E-O-N. On dot org and uh, and they do emails and you know asking people to get involved this kind of thing so that's one of the organizations there are others and I there are I, people I, doing texting there's all kinds of outreach yeah I I just I I hope they're focused on that eighty uh, percent of people that that Joe that that you're not reaching door to door who are the uh, the infrequent voters and I, I hope that's where the focus is but I don't personally know that but. I don't either. Yeah, this is interesting to see you as the foot soldier instead of the strategist, Joe. <laughs> I think it's really... Well, you know what? You, you can't be a strategist if you don't do the work. You're mm-hmm. right. Yeah. So, <laughs> you so, don't understand it if you don't do it. That's right. So, I totally agree. But... I started out as a precinct captain in Chicago before I was a ward secretary. Mm-hmm. You know? Just how it works. 
Yeah, that's that's the underpinning of it all, of course. Um, I sort of interrupted you to fit in a phone call because I don't like to drop the calls. But um, no. I, you were talking about the whole issue of the how much more money the Republicans are oh, spending. Yeah. I mean, you know, if people really want to know what they can do, they can go to Act Blue, look up the Warnock or Ossoff campaign, and make a small contribution. Because I got to tell you, the Republicans are winning the television war. And I don't know if they're winning it in terms of that's how they'll win the election, because frankly, mm -hmm. their commercials do not speak to me. But but they, you know, they're, they're almost donuts around the Democratic TV ads. There'll be a Republican, then the Democratic, then a Republican, you mm -hmm. know? And, and they were able to come in with money earlier and uh, buy up a lot of time so that there's less time, you know, available. Um, and, uh, but I'll tell you, uh, everybody who watches television, they have to know there's a runoff on January 5th because <laughs> there's, there's a lot of commercials. Uh -huh. um, I, I don't recall you saying this. So what organization is actually producing walk lists for you? Well, you know, this is interesting because, I'm, like I said, I'm not in leadership and I don't quite understand exactly what's going on. I just showed up at a park to start walking and plugged in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, but, but because I do this work or have done this work professionally, I'm sort of looking at the way the scripts are changing and the lists are changing and figuring out what universe is targeted and what changes they're making. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that seems to be going on is Warnock does not seem to have much of a ground operation. Um, and he and Ossoff are coordinating. Mm -hmm. So Ossoff's ground operation is carrying Warnock literature. Um, and I have not run into people who are walking for Warnock. Mm -hmm. I've walked, run into people who are walking for Ossoff and Warnock. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so it's getting covered. And then sometime about a week ago, I began to notice that Ossoff and Warnock's ground campaign seems to now have merged into the Democratic Party of Georgia. Mm -hmm. oh. And because I don't know Georgia election law, you know, and I don't know how all the, how the money is flowing, and some of the DNC is putting money in through Georgia, the, the Georgia uh, Democrats, mm -hmm. I don't know why it's playing out this way, but, but it's interesting to watch the evolution where, you know, when I got here, I was walking for Ossoff's mm -hmm. organization and carrying Warnock and Ossoff materials. Mm -hmm. And now I feel like I'm walking for the Democratic Party of Georgia. Interesting. We have a call. Let's give a precedence to the call. Hi, you're on the air. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but just to know that uh, they're really in need of Spanish speakers who can do phone banking and leaving messages not only to get out the vote, but to get uh, volunteers who are uh, Spanish speakers on the ground in Georgia. And um, I think uh, the swing left and the New Georgia Project, especially, um, are targeting all those 80% that Joe was just talking about. So, um, if they want uh, a specific um, email link, I could send one out. Uh, if somebody emails me at joannerosen at gmail.com. Okay, you want to spell Joanne for us, Joanne? Jo J-O-A-N-N-R-O-S-E-N 
at gmail.com. Okay, thank you so much. Yeah. So, yeah, do you have uh, some some uh, observations about that, dealing with uh, the, the now-famous Latino vote? Well, you know, I have not been... Nobody's cutting a turf for me in uh, a Latino neighborhood. Um, so it just hasn't happened. I'm walking uh, mostly in uh, African-American or, or mixed white and African-American neighborhoods. I was walking exclusively in the kind of porch culture neighborhoods I was talking about. But uh, yesterday, I had gated communities, you know, uh, <laughs> out in Cobb County. So, you know, there's like five counties around here that are sort of metropolitan, uh, Atlanta-ish, at least three. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm out in the suburbs today, although today it seemed like a big housing project in the suburbs. But... Uh, but uh, so, so I, I have a, a little bit of a cross section socioeconomically, but but it's basically uh, I don't think they've cut anything for me that does isn't English speaking. I haven't come to a door with somebody who did who wasn't English speaking. I had I had some I had some Indian immigrants and some uh, you know uh, um, an Iraqi immigrant, but you know they were English speaking. We're also starting to hear about Asian and Pacific Islanders, that it's a small group, but it's one that is like doubled and tripled in size or something. I I just wonder if you've been hearing anything about that. I really haven't. I mean, you know, I'm just showing up in the parks where I'm supposed to show up and getting a turf and going out and knocking on doors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Um, I can appreciate that. That's the real work. Uh, the other thing we're curious about is if you're running into some some teenagers who uh, will be able to, will be 18 by Election Day on, on January 5th and will be able to vote for the first time. Have you scared up uh, teenagers? Uh, I haven't, but I know there are people who are specifically focusing on that group. So, so, but, but, um, you know, uh, and, and I have to tell you, you know, when I'm in California, I know the elections code. In Georgia, I don't, you know, I don't even know about early registration, whether they can register early, any of that stuff. Um, because it's different in every state. Right. So there, there, there are people really focusing on that, and, and it's not me, and they don't cut those names. I only have currently registered voters on my list. Okay. Yeah. Uh, does that, well, have you run into any voters who had difficulty voting in November? Uh, because there is an issue, ongoing issue, and there's lawsuits pending over voter suppression by removal of voters before November. Have you run into any of that? Uh, no, I've run into people who requested an absentee ballot and never came, um, and then had to go vote and had to do whatever it is under Georgia law mm-hmm. to don't have a ballot to surrender, to do some affidavit. And, you know, it was a pain in the ass, and, they, and they, they complained about it, and they said they're not even requesting one this time. They're just going to go early vote. Mm-hmm. So I heard some I heard some stories of, of major inconvenience. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know whether it rises to the level of a lawsuit with the people I've talked to. Mm-hmm. They that, were able to. That reminds me to mention that the uh, the deadline to register was three days ago. It was on the 7th. That's correct. And, and I walked with registrations in case somebody, you know, in the household wasn't registered. I mean, I was trying to figure out what, what my lists were, because it's not like they said, here, Joe, you do this stuff sometimes for a living. Let's talk about the universe we've selected. <laughs> uh-huh. Um 
so so frequent voters are not on my list. So mm-hmm. I would go to a I would go to a door and knock, and you know a fifty year old woman would answer the door, and all I had was three folks in their twenties on the list or thirties, uh, mm-hmm. and and they, this would be their mother who was a frequent voter, mm-hmm. uh, right? Who, right? Who would say, "Oh, I'm going to make sure they vote," you know? Yeah. Um, so uh, you know, so I it's how I figured out I don't have. I don't have frequent voters, and I don't have uh, never voters. So, mm-hmm. uh, anyway. So let me mention... How fascinating this is to anybody. <laughs> it was fascinating to me. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, it is. So, to listeners, we're speaking with Joe Wildman, who is from Mendocino County, but is out in Georgia for the uh, runoff election. And is working on the elections there. And if uh, anyone would like to call in with any questions or make any comments on the air, the number here is 895-2448, 707-895-2448. And are you doing that thing where you tell the voters to go online and check to make sure that your ballot was actually counted like we do here? Well, I haven't had to tell anybody that. I'll tell you, they're talking to me about it. <laughs> um, and I have a pamphlet that I give them um, that talks about checking on your ballot. Um, it, it talks about a lot of things. It talks about the deadline for registering and all that. So I'm leaving them with materials. And like I said, they're way more sophisticated than I had expected. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, they've they've been targeted for a lot of uh, information, and and it sounds like some of the real information is getting through to to people. That's great. Uh, maybe well, we should so go ahead. I was just going to say that you know there were more than there's more than one runoff deadline in Georgia, so there were state offices that had uh, an election already. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. had their runoff the first week of December. Mm-hmm. So there was more than one runoff coming, and I was really impressed with how people were able to keep this straight in their heads. <laughs> yeah, so it is, the, maybe we should go into the timeline a little bit, like the deadline to register to vote, as Steve said, in Georgia was the 7th, then 16 days of early in-person voting. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, no, go ahead. That begins uh, on the 14th, and then right. voting day is actually January 5th. Right. And then, of course, we have the, the whole national thing where the electors are going to cast their vote uh, across the nation on the 14th. And then the count vote, the vote count will be released on January 5th, the same day as the runoff. So that, that'll be all which, interesting. Which should mean that Trump will keep things crazy yeah. all the way through this runoff, mm-hmm. which would make it harder, I think, on the Republicans. Um, and we'll keep the Democrats focused on still trying to win. Yeah, that's right. my, that's my take on it. Also, it, just the confusion. Yeah. I, I was slightly shocked a few days ago. I mean, there's a news article that there's some Republicans that 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 want to boycott the election and, and are telling other Republicans to not vote. I I couldn't believe it, but it's in the yeah, national well, the news. Republican chair, the chair of the Republican Party in Georgia, was at an event trying to answer questions, and people were saying, well, if it's all decided in advance, why should we vote? Uh, Because that's the message Trump is giving them. Uh Uh-huh, yeah, right, maybe backfire a little bit there. Yeah. Or or maybe it's a way to disclaim it. Oh, well, it was fraudulent, so we didn't vote anyway. (laughs) 895-2448, if anybody else wants to get in. And the the organizations that were mentioned, I had mentioned moveon.org to, if anyone wants to be involved. And there's one called Swing Left, 
that was mentioned by a caller, and one called New Georgia. So you could uh, do a web search for those and uh, if uh, you wish to be involved in any way. The, the other thing is that I think the Republicans, at least from what the way Trump was talking, is that they were expecting to do enough challenges to end this up in the Supreme Court where they have the three to do, three to six to three majority. Um, but what did come down is the Supreme Court rejected a Republican's um, request from Pennsylvania to block certification of that election, which seems to signal that they don't want to get into the Trump challenging the election right. results. Well, and that was written by Alito, and nobody else dissented. And his, his opinion was about three sentences. <laughs> okay. We have another call. Hi, you're on the air. Hey, um, I had a couple questions for Joe there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so I'm wondering, uh, the voters out there in Georgia, if they, if you're getting the sense that they they understand and kind of grasp the, the, the national and, and wider implications of this runoff, and then kind of related to that, are you seeing any, um, in, in the individual voters, are you seeing any, any fatigue? Because this has been a long election, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's been a long long hard journey and are you seeing any kind of fatigue in the voters like people that just are are over it and aren't going to go go put in the effort to go vote in the runoff and i'll uh i'll, I'll take it off air of course thank Thanks. you good, well, good question let's see. the first part refresh my memory annie <laughs> i just walked all day <laughs> <laughs> at least you have and an excuse hours later here. voter fatigue <laughs> well that was the second That's part, second part. Okay. Um, there was there was kind of two parts to it. So I'll, yes. I'll deal with the voter fatigue thing, and maybe the other part will come to me. Um, I am not seeing voter fatigue. Um, but then again, um, when I say that only 20% of the people, you know, I'm, I'm marking like 80% of them not home, mm-hmm. it's really not always not home. It's not answering the door. Mm-hmm. So, so that could be a lot of the people who are tired of people coming to their door. Um, and I can't rule that out. So I don't have a real feel for the people I don't talk to and why they're not talking to me. Uh, but the people who talk to me, when, when I come to the door, you know, they're like, uh, okay, there's this guy wearing a tie, and uh, he's at my door, and he's got white hair and uh, bald and a white beard, and, you know, what's going on here, and why is he in my neighborhood? And they're a little skeptical. And when I say I'm out here walking for Warnock and Ossoff, they open the door and they start talking to me. Oh, oh we're going to vote. I mean, they're just excited. That's you know? sweet. And, and they thank me. They thank me for doing my work, you know. Um, and I get a lot of that. So at least the people I talk to are not fatigued. They're excited. Mm-hmm. I don't know about the people I'm not talking to. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I have to assume some of them aren't answering their door because they saw somebody come up and they're thinking, well, they'll leave some more literature. Um, and I'll tell you, I come to houses that are clearly like on the market to sell and nobody's in them. Mm-hmm. And there's a pile of campaign literature mm-hmm. uh, on their doorknobs and they're welcome <laughs> that and the chair by the door. Um, lots of people are walking and leaving mm-hmm. literature. Wow. So, I, you know, I, I assume some folks have had enough. Nobody's been hostile. Not one, That's great. you know, not one hostile anything. So the closest I... to it is I'll have someone say, what do you want through the door? And I'll say, I'm walking for Warnock and Ossoff, and 
and then they'll cheer up. So. <laughs> well, it's always a shot in the arm to be to be thanked for going door to door. Let me add one uh, point of context from something you mentioned earlier, uh, and regarding fatigue. So some of the voters that you'll be talking to uh, may have already voted in one runoff. It would be the local runoff, perhaps in a city right. or a county. Uh, but then the statewide runoff is the one for January 5th. So so they may have voted in November and then voted in a runoff a week or two ago, but still yeah. hopefully will be voting in the big senatorial runoff in January on January 5th. Yeah. Okay, we only yep. have a few minutes left here, so um, I want to see what else should we get to. What We did want to... Do either of you remember the first part of that caller's question? It's going to drive me nuts. I know. It's making me bang my head that I didn't take a little note because it has escaped. I feel well, humiliated. Uh, <laughs> caller, you okay. can call back and ask again. It's uh, sorry, and sorry we forgot. Sorry to make you relive your, hum- your humiliation. Yeah. Your <laughs> 895-2448. Yeah, but, yeah we, we need help here. <laughs> yeah. One thing I did want to end on a little. Oh, here he is. Okay. Hi, you're back on the air. What was the first part of your question? Well, I just remember it. I didn't pose it. Oh, good. Thank you so much. We'll take all the help we can get. It was whether the people who Joe has talked to recognize the national significance of the election. Okay, thank you. We all thank you. (laughs) You know, it's hard hard for me to know on that because it's not part you know i go through a spiel and it doesn't really elicit that but but i get the sense that people know that uh that this really is about uh the direction of the country that it's not about the personalities of you know that warnock and uh and ossoff are spending a lot of time on how purdue and uh, loffler are corrupt and uh, you know engaged in insider trading, and I don't really think that is the level at which I don't know who they think they're reaching with that. Maybe they're trying to suppress the Republican votes, um, who are soft on Loeffler uh, and and Purdue, but it's not what's motivating uh, the voters whose doors I go to to want to elect Ossoff and Warnock. They want to elect Ossoff and Warnock because they want to see a different direction of the United States Senate. Okay. We did have another call, but we are really running out of time. We have about four minutes, so maybe we should kind of wrap it up. Is there anything, Joe, that you wanted to get out there that we didn't ask you already? Um, no. Okay. <laughs> one thing. <laughs> oh, here, here's one last call. Okay, you're on the air for one last call. Turn your phone down there. Oh. Turn your radio down. Turn your radio we down. Up, Sorry. We up in there. Okay, it's down. So, you hear me now? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, what I want to say, the Republicans lose this election the same way we lose uh, Hillary Clinton, so they, they better shut up, but they lose. Okay, thank you. <laughs> that's our, our that's our last uh, call. Thank you for that enthusiasm. Um, I did want to mention that there are things. Suppose, what if, what if we lose those two seats that you're fighting so hard for? There's still a lot of things that Biden 
and his administration could do without the Senate. Do you want to talk a little bit about things that that well, uh, we could do well, anyway? There's a huge pile of things they can undo. Yes. Uh, a lot of what Donald Trump did was executive order. Mm-hmm. And uh, executive orders last as long as the executive <laughs> orders. So, you know, Biden Biden can, can uh, you know, bring back certain restrictions in public lands on, on uh, resource development. He can do a lot of stuff. Uh, so a lot of Trump can be undone. And that's no small thing. Right. Um, right, some innovative stuff, too, like maybe um, I know the postal workers and the Biden Sanders Unitary Unity Task Force have suggested things like a postal banking system. He could create that. Right. Um, well, some of that would some of that would take Congress because some of that actually gets into the the, the, the world of revenue. Um, but but he could still move it along. Uh-huh. Um, and and, uh, you know, he can do his executive orders as well. There seems to be a trend over the last 30 or 40 years on executive orders. Um, so. Okay. And, that's, um, okay. That, so that's, all is not lost if, if uh, the Democrats lose those two seats in Georgia. Well, there's, still... well, there's also another Senate election in two years. There you go. You know, another third, mm-hmm. another third of the Senate is up. And if you look at the map, I think it's very promising. Mm-hmm. Okay, we've got about a minute left, so Steve, do you want to take us out here? Well, indeed. You know, Joe, thanks for uh, taking calls and for informing us what's going on there on the ground in Georgia. And uh, good luck for the next, well, it's going to be almost a month to go. So, Yeah, thank you so much. I know you've been extremely busy, and for you to take this hour to spend with us and keep us up to date, is, it's really appreciated. Well, I just finished the precinct. It's three hours later. It was getting dark. So, <laughs> Good. Okay. Okay. All right. Thanks for being with Talk us. Talk to you later. Mm-hmm. All right. Bye-bye. 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 Good luck. And this has been Corporations and Democracy. We bro- we broadcast on second and fourth Thursdays from 3 to 4 here on KZYX and Z. The next edition will be in two weeks. That's December 24th with Linda McClure. I'm pretty sure her guest will be someone from the Project Censored program, talking about their new book for this year. Annie and I will be back on January 14th. And for further information about the issues we discuss on the program, you can go to thealliancefordemocracy.org. This has been a production of KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM, Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. You can check out our website at kzyx.org to find more content like this and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thanks for listening.